16th of December 2012, on the third Sunday of Advent, in Mogsby explores the meaning of Advent, drawing on the words of John the Baptist. I don't know if any of you have seen the new Hobbit film yet, but uh, the middle of this text, I believe, <laughs> reminds me um, of this a little bit. There's a beautiful moment when the dwarf leader, soon to become king, asks Gandalf the Grey how people f- face and live the current darkness and evil of the times in which Gandalf the Grey replies, I find that it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. And it is this essence that I think John the Baptist seeks to express to those who probably from the first time and the first inkling start to perceive the beginning of the kingdom of God as an expression of lasting change. But Luke, in this text, is not holding back his punches. We hear in John the Baptist speaking the words for those who are awaiting baptism with direct and harsh words. He uses the words, a brood of vipers, which has a bit of a nasty ring to it. However, please hear this. What is at stake here are issues of growth, not strength of venom. In the Christian tradition, John the Baptist is seen as the herald or the preparer for the Messiah. This comes from an interpretation of the Hebrew text about a prophet that will prepare people for the coming of the Messiah to bring lasting and real change to all nations. So why in all this preparation is John speaking so harshly? Well, actually what he's addressing here is a very contemporary issue, just as much as it was an issue then. John is concerned that people are coming because they see Christianity as a potential latest fad or the latest hip thing to choose to follow at a superficial, shallow level. What we today would recall a commodification of religion. There's a danger in this text that people are seeing being a Christian as some sort of lifestyle choice, something to follow for a while that you may change again if something more individually tailored or more becoming comes along. For some religious traditions, this is, there's an element of truth here, that some do attempt to mould people into their shape and size. And actually, when the church is at its worst, it tries to do the same thing. Christianity, at its heart, is not about conformity to some form of social type or becoming something you are not, as some form of progress-enlightened guru figure. No, Christianity is only interested in individuals becoming the fulfilment of who they are. It is a vision then of flourishing towards wholeness and depth. Room to realize that everyone is created in the image of God. This is a model of faith of unity and diversity in human flourishing. And in so doing, we not only change by becoming who we really are, but the whole world around us is changed in how it also realizes its potential out of the love of God. This is what we mean by real and lasting change. For some religions, choices and spiritualities, following a religion can be literally only skin deep. If you do this or do that and pay this or pray that, conform to what is needed at a shallow level, then that is quite enough. Or put another way, 
We can be faddish like how a snake sheds its skin. And this is the image here that runs through the Hebrew text, which I really love. This idea of a snake that sheds its skin. We can seek to change ourselves at the surface following a market of competing choices because we, because we have only considered things at the surface. But this is not what Christianity is all about. And something the prophet John the Baptist wants to challenge and start shouting about in his texts. If you can imagine the scene, there were literally thousands of people lining up to get baptised. And John is concerned that they might actually be there for the wrong reasons. This is not about trading in one religion for another, which is what is concerned in this text, to trade in this new Jewish cult for the tr- coming from a more enlightened position. A bit like having a spiritual malt. I really like that idea. You know, that we are sometimes are quite dangerous because we sometimes just want to molt things because we want change rather than getting to the heart of things or for following Christianity because it's better than nothing. So John doesn't spend a moment on skin changes in this text where he awaits, he's actually talking about something much deeper than just waiting for the right appearance beyond materialism or the accumulation of resources or other criteria being paid, paying attention to justice issues. At the heart of all of this text is a calling back to the heart of the calling of God to the Jewish Hebrew people and therefore to the Christian church, which is a call to justice and to mercy and in obedience to the following the love of God. So it's quite interesting if you think about this text. Well, who warned the crowds to come out to John and get changed anyway? Because there's a strong implication in the text that they've come there as some sort of insurance policy. John ultimately doesn't care, which is fascinating. He divides right into what is available at the stage of life currently available before the life and calling of the Messiah. And what does he say? He calls people to bear fruit by the way they lived. Well, asks the crowd, if we are not here to get an an acceptable malt or a maintenance or oil change, what then should we do? And what does he say? Beautifully, which resonates with the Hobbit. Simple kindness and everyday justice is John's response. He uses economic justice examples about the oppression of the Romans, of the tax collectors, and of all those that had power in the day. And he challenges them to actually get back to the heart to generosity, justice, and love. And he says, and he names, that it boils down to human values that we were created for and to live in potential that we are available and are able to live another way. And it starts with, in this text, with economic justice. It is about a worthy fruit from where we can start as Jesus is about to begin, the beginning of the kingdom of God. So in response to a a, a kind of surface molt, John the Baptist directly challenges them about their behavior as a sign of the orientation of their heart. And so they ask another question. So what happens in these questions and answers? Well, the questions and answers reveal the underlying values of the crowd and of John the Baptist. So for the first question, the crowd revealed their real motivation. They came with high expectation. They needed to to actually get away from the Romans by having a God that would defeat them and that they would accept any form of religion that would do that. And in obedience, they would find standards and would solve today's problems by focusing on tomorrow rather than the reality of the economic injustice of the times and John will have nothing of it and he dashes these expectations so they try again with adjusted values which again reveal their motivations 
So they are literally saying to him, we are wanting to be changed to a new high expectation of escape. We just need to bow before you, John, as our new guru. We will then have a power we need to be able to defeat the Romans. We will then find ease. We will solve today by focusing on John as our new spiritual leader, our new king. And what does John do with that? He again challenges it for the idolatry that it is. And he dashes his expectations about what is emerging out of a new Christianity. Which is about letting go. Letting go of expectations with power. The vestiges of religious privilege. And it's about sharing in the pain and the difficulties and the, of the humble calling of the values of the kingdom of God. And what's beautiful about this is that we are left waiting. Waiting because actually the crowd are left with a sense, well, what's left? Well, what's left is life. What's left is the expectation of a kingdom that does not resource power over people, but awaits for the undeserved love of God. So we need to get back to a daily discipline as disciples of Jesus' love, kindness, and justice. And what's beautiful about this text, which is inherent from the beginning, is that we need to be open to a change of heart. I think in the busyness of this city, We just get so focused on survival that we often close down our hearts, close down our ability to be compassionate and caring to the world by by the language of coping. And what this text reminds us is that we need to find assurance by letting go of the need to be in control. We need to let go of the need to solve the focuses of the problems of today by living differently today, even in the small things about how we treat one another and how we talk to one another and how we deal with each other when we are in pain. And John affirms this message of good news for the poor. And in so doing, the crowds hear John speak of a role in the coming kingdom that they can play, ordinary people in the ordinariness of life. It doesn't demand either a renunciation or asceticism. Neither does it demand anything about giving up um, anything other than the deepness to, to, to delve deeper into what it means to live. It is a, so rather than the renunciation or the, or the desire for asceticism, it is actually a pilgrimage of human becoming. So rather than participating in God's new kingdom, sorry, that makes sense. So rather than just focusing on power and escape, on buying our way to peace and happiness, the beauty of this text is it reminds us that it's actually in the very simple things about how we live that open up the door to God. So firstly, let us again get beyond the commodification and materialism of the season, and that's not easy. Let us remember this daily calling to join in with God around loving kindness to us and others, and to our daily calling to live justly regarding social, economic, and ecological justice. Secondly, let us reaffirm and make room to encounter the love of God as the basis of human becoming. Let's remember that we gather here together, primarily in our togetherness, to encourage one another to go deeper with this calling to encounter divine love and share this with the world. And thirdly, possibly most importantly, let's not get blinded by the hardness and strife of the times. And I find it unbearably overwhelming most of the time with the constant news of bad news. There is much pain around at the moment with our depressed economic basis and the struggle that many now face in, in a society that seems to be shrinking But let's try to see beyond the the insufficiency of the surface and try to believe in a greater um, possibility, an openness for hope, for charity and for love. And let's get beyond selfishness and the privilege of the West, which has been the narrative for such a long time. 
that there is a calling here, I think, to get beyond, and it starts with loving kindness. Possibly the most challenging and most beautiful thing that has happened to me this Advent, which has been very moving, was seeing a homeless guy and someone who's been coming into this place, um, comes to quite regularly into host, and he came to the Friday party that we had. He hardly ever washes and reeks of urine and upsets every and all of my middle-class sensibilities. But the most beautiful thing that has happened to me is seeing a member of this community dance with this man at that party. Just in a few moments, he came alive in a way that I'd never seen before. It brings a tear to my just to remember it. He's obviously danced before. He literally came to live, live for a moment of celebration and the joy of the life of that moment. Then the angels danced. And I have been, in reflection of this many times this week, moved to tears by the reality of that moment that did not come from me and all my running away selfish uh, desires. In that moment, one person took a risk to reach out in love and care, and a moment of life began. I think John the Baptist would have celebrated that moment at a risk And he would have celebrated the fact that one of our community could get beyond our simple isolation that I impose in my own life with some people who I find challenging around me. So if there's one thing I love about the person I'm naming is that he can always seem to, and he always deeply challenges my own middle class boundaries, which doesn't get more challenging than dancing with an unclean, smelly and homeless person. So well done that particular person for challenging me in my blindness of what the kingdom is supposed to be all about. And keep on challenging me and opening up the kingdom in ways I sometimes struggle to face. That's why we need community, because we all have blind spots. And so that dancing reminds me of the vitality and creativity that lies at the heart of the nature of God expressed in the Trinity in the icon behind me. That dancing reminds me that beyond the darkness of our days lies a God that seeks our restoration and fulfillment, and that includes the homeless person that danced here. We may feel powerless to know how to act with people with profound and overwhelming needs, and that's been with me a lot in the last couple of months, but it starts with small and meaningful expressions of love, inclusion, and justice. This then lies at the heart of the Christian message in this Advent. It starts with this radical call to be followers of the way of Jesus that will enable us to grow in our human becoming beyond all our prejudices and assumptions. So this Advent, let's get back to the heart of what it's all about, and that is love, learning to live in the love of God and remembering the incredible promise and mystery of a God that comes to us in human form through the miracle of the incarnation of the divine. And yes, this makes no rational sense at all, But deep within us, through our transrational intuition, we know that this can be true. And it begins with us seeking to go deep beyond the marketplace of our times. So finally, finally, can I just say that many in this community, will I know, will know the pain and stress of what happens when we lose sight of this love and turn back to our pain, anger, fear and pride. And when we get consumed by our shadow selves that distorts and prevents us from being sustained in love. So at this time, in this season, let's make sure that the basis of who we are, actually away from all the difficulties, goes back to the simplicity of love. And that is the basis of the faith. And it is a simple, simple basis. And all the complexity of the theology and ecclesiology and all the rest, at the basis of this, is a calling to deep love. 
a love that he did enable people to follow John the Baptist. A love that enabled the disciples to follow Jesus, many of which to their death. And a love that caused the beginning of the church. The church is hopefully a vehicle for the transformation of society. So this Advent and Christmas, let us get beyond conflict, pain, indifference, beyond our egos and certainties, and recover humility sufficiently, love and kindness. And in so doing, recover the Christ that lies behind all of Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Moot Community Podcast. If you'd like more information on who we are and what we do, please visit www.moot.uk.net.